Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Super Movie Ball. It's your host, Mac. How you doing? I'm good. Are you ready? I'm ready. Um, I, I'm so ready that you don't even know. Um, you'll have to excuse me because I have a cold. So I sound probably a little funny. It sounds funny to me with the headphones in my ear. But the good thing is, is that because uh, I'm getting over a cold and I don't feel 100%, I got a buddy with me to help me out. John, friend of the show. What? I'm official? I'm a friend? You're a f- you've always been a friend of the show, oh. and you are guest champion. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, you took it away from Riley, um, who I have not talked to in, in quite a many moons. Yeah, it's because he's, he's embarrassed. <laughs> you you got the belt you got the bragging rights i mean what more do you need but more importantly john how, how have you been it's been a while since you've been on the show yeah i mean I, um, I, i've been pretty good um like podcasting was going so well that i became known for it amongst my friends and a buddy of mine was like hey why don't you take this really nice new microphone that i'm using right now uh and uh then i didn't podcast for two years straight so I just want to welcome you to the the, the debut of my brand new microphone. <laughs> it's probably like three years at this yeah, point, it's, right? It's an embarrassing amount of time. Thank you, Josh. You're such a sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I mean, so you're ready to go. So everything's fresh. Everything's new. We've got all the best equipment that our friends have given us that we're just now pulling out of the package and lied for number of years saying that we use <laughs> everything is just right to talk about um a takeshi uh, kitano movie we are talking about um a violent cop i and i assume that that name works equally as well in the original language i i mean because exactly. it's an excellent name a top top it's three an excellent name. name and then he changed it he changed it and we know him like if we were pr- to pronounce it in the united states it would be um katano takeshi which is awesome but it's beat takeshi john and i know him as beat takeshi yeah a little bit and, and you have to say both names. It's like a tribe called quest you can't just say tribe or quest like some people might know what you're talking about but it's it's beat Takeshi. You have to say the whole thing. You have to say the whole thing. That's it. It's first and last name, and that's his nickname, Beat. But John, what is before we get into this? I, we need to talk about Beat Takeshi just for a little bit. Um, what is your first experience with Beat Takeshi? Do you remember? <laughs> I do. Um, it's kind of funny. It was actually Violent Cop. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, a little bit of personal history here, but my my sort of mentor in in film was actually my high school teacher and uh he taught a film class and he taught literature and we got to have a relationship because i took his film studies class and then i took his you know literature class and he knew that i love movies so he would just pass me tapes and i'm sure this would get him fired if people found out about this now but he's you know not working anymore so it doesn't matter yeah but um <laughs> so i'm in high school and an English teacher passed me a copy of Violent Cop on VHS because that's what you do. Yeah. I, I apologize. So, uh, my friggin' English teacher. And don't worry, well uh, it's time for a sidebar. Objection! Uh, I'm not gonna say it. It'll get fixed. <laughs> anyway, um <laughs> for those of you that don't know john is an editor by trade and so when i say things even jokingly fix it by post i get a lecture 
from John. Even when we're not on mic. Uh, which is, what's that? Even when we're not on mic. <laughs> even Oh, yeah, even when we're not on mic. Uh, and I know that's John being nice because he really wants to strangle me. And rightly so. Rightly so. Um, for an IT guy like me, I think it would be uh, the same thing would kind of be like setting a precedent. Like, can you do this thing? Uh, <laughs> yes, but but then as soon as you do that, they'll expect it every time. They'll expect whatever the thing is. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. It's, it's every time. I hate setting a precedent. And it's like, okay, we can do this for them. But let them know this is a one-time deal. Um, this, and- you know, get out of jail free card. Spider-Man, everybody gets their one save, and that's it. And, and this is why I was so against Kurt Russell in Guardians 2, because his head looked weird, but now we have to live with de-aging. <laughs> okay. I'm not sure how we got there, but... I'm just saying, just because you I, can I do totally something agree. doesn't mean it was a good idea, you know? Like, I mean, yes, you can drive with your feet. Should you? No. Not unless you don't have any arms. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. So, okay, so that's your first... So, Violent Cop, the movie we are talking about today, is the, is the movie that got you into Beat Takeshi. That's a really great introduction. Um, for me, it was a movie called Kikajiro, mm-hmm. um, about him and the little kid, which I actually do want to talk about the show. After watching this movie, I do want to talk about that show, or that movie, um, uh, later on an, an episode on this podcast, because I think it's a quirky, fun movie... Uh, unlike this movie, <laughs> I think that movie is a movie for everybody and a movie everybody can watch. Like, I, There's no way I can recommend this mo- movie to my mom. What? Or somebody like that. <laughs> well, not, no, not my mom. Oh, okay. So, uh, but yeah, th- this is this is great. So he's just, it's funny that his name's Beat or his nickname is Beat. Um, but we, I was looking up information about him because I've seen so many movies with him, but I don't really know anything about his background. And this background, he's a comedian by trade. Yeah, I think that that's actually where the that's, name came from, right? Yeah, that's the name. That's where the name came from. Like, he's a comedian by trade, which I never really knew. I mean, I knew he was like funny because he has a very dry sense of humor and like an offbeat style, which is funny, you know, that he names himself because everything he is, everything he does is really offbeat. Um, but yeah, that's a part of his um, comedy duo, which I I can't remember the name of it, but it was him and another comedian, and I will not get into the hierarchy of Japanese comedy and the way it works. <laughs> it's like the shogunate. Like you don't, it's, it's a whole, it works completely different than it does in the United States. Up here, you just get on the mic and hopefully you're funny and if not it's like vaudeville rules if not they'll boo you off the stage that's why we have so many tomatoes (laughs) exactly but like there it's it's the same thing it's the same concept you're funny you're not funny but it's it's kind of like you have to work your way up and you have to be like a, a certain style and you sort of have to stick with that style but it's it's kind of like the old school western comedy where it was a two band act like elwood um uh, Abbott and Costello. You almost said you know what Elwood. I, mean? I almost said Elwood. Actually, I almost said uh, I don't know what. I, yeah, I don't know what I said. I almost said something that was all right, but I guess you could use Elwood, mm-hmm. the Blues Brothers. Yeah. Um, what's the other one's name? Uh, Jake and Elwood. I'm blanking. Jake and Elwood. That's right, Blue. Um, so um, yeah, so you have a straight man and the funny man. Which guess which one was the the funny man? My money is on. And, and, my money's on. Uh, Beat Takeshi is the Dr. House of the duo. You know, like Fry and Lori. <laughs> like Fry and Lori. Yeah, yeah. There we go. That's another good duo. But, but I'm saying he was he um, was the he was the Fry. Or no, I'm sorry, he was he was, he was the Lori. 
He was the Lori. Yeah. So he's the funny yeah. man. Okay, yes, and you correct. Yes. I would have said he was the straight man. So I would have lost that. It's time for a sidebar. Okay, so now we have to like sidebar this and we have to name off a uh, comedy duo. Okay. Let's, let's do that. Yeah, right? let's do that. <laughs> I'm trying to think of another one. And of course, every time I get on mic, I just blank and my mind just does not work at all. Let me, let me, let me I'm going to do, uh, I'll, I'll do it for you. Come on. Pen and Teller is my, my choice. <laughs> Oh, Penn and Teller. <laughs> um, I'm trying to do it without because there's no way to look anything up. Right. That's not. That's there's no there's no anything like machine or in, uh, invention that allows you to look things up. So you have to do this off the top of your head. Um, and I can't think of a comedy duo. Why can't I? Th- I just named one and I mispronounced it. I mean, there's Laurel and Hardy. That's a good one. That's that's like one of my favorite ones. Bob um, and David. Oh my God, Bob and David. Yeah, <sighs> Mr. Show. Okay, um, dude, I'm blanking. This is so. This is so terrible. <laughs> Do Ben Affleck and Matt Damon count? <laughs> I, I mean, Affleck was the bomb in Phantoms, but I don't remember where Matt Damon was. <laughs> Matt Damon. <laughs> um, I don't. <laughs> dude, I'm okay. So now I've got to look it up because I feel absolutely mentally deficient because i can't think of comedy duos um, uh, um who, oh i know one what's the not okay sorry good carl reiner and mel brooks oh God. yeah yeah i was gonna go with um it's, it's like oats and hall do you know what i'm talking about <laughs> no no oh yes yeah oats yeah. and hall yes is, i don't the, know is they, that their the name? music yeah yes yes not to be confused with hall and oh no 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 not no that's it's Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. No, 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 no. It's Simon. Wait. Garfunkel, no, it's Garfunkel and, Oates. and Oates. That's what it yeah. is. Yeah. Okay. That's what it is. That's what it is. Yes. They do the the comedy stuff, the music comedy stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I already man, got two more. I feel. I know. What are you? Well, go ahead, man. I'm like not doing. I am literally Googling this. Well, I, I got Tenacious D. Uh, Tenacious D, Jack Black, and Kyle Gass. And then you got Flight of the Concords. Oh, uh, Jermaine Clement and uh, Brett, whatever Brett's name is. I don't know what Brett's Brett, name is. Brett, Brett, Brett Oates. <laughs> Brett. <laughs> That's not his name. Um, uh, these aren't, what is this? Slash film? This isn't, those aren't comedy duos. Oh, yeah. You can't start out at Slash Film. They're just doing oh listicles and they're Why not right about anything. I'm an idiot. Uh, did you get ads for like vacuum cleaners or whatever the last thing you Googled was? <laughs> uh, there's Key and Peel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's Key and Peel. Um, there's got to be more. There's no, I know there's more. Tim and Eric. <laughs> Tim and Eric. Tim and um, Eric. Tim, uh, Space Heidecker Ghost and, and Brack. Um. No, Tim and Eric count. Tim and Eric count. Hey, if if Mr. Show counts, Tim and Eric counts. Oh, right? I like this cat and he's screaming at me. I'm sorry. No, let the cat in. Cat, what is going on? Is that is that Koba, my man? Where's, is that Koba? This is Ruby. 
Oh, that's Karen. Ruby. I'm yeah. sorry. Oh, there Ruby is. Rod. Ruby. Ruby, say hi. <laughs> Come on. You want uh, did Chris, do you, uh, David Spade and Chris Farley count? I would say. They, they, they did enough stuff together, I'd say. Um, man, these are dumb. All right, that's enough. I think we get it. Anyway, so Beat Takeshi was part of that, and the straight guy, he also, his first name was also Beat, and they were called Two Beat was the name of it. That's the direct translation from the Japanese. So, but anyway, I just thought that was interesting because I never really thought he was a comedy guy. I knew he was funny, so I just thought he just injected that into his films. But this is his first film that we're talking about today is the uh, Violent Con. So, that, I don't know. It's just kind of funny. He's just really a weird kind of guy. And I was talking about this off mic with Peter, friend of the show. But, the, the way I would describe him would be, like, he just doesn't care. Like, he has, like, a weird way about him where <laughs> he's so offbeat and weird and eccentric that it's just, like, he presents things as here they are. And if you like them, I don't care. And if you like it, I also don't care. If it makes you uncomfortable, I don't care. You know, it's just... This is what it is. If it's odd to you or if it's off-putting, I don't care. He might give like a little – he might care if it bothers you a little bit, you know, because you get that sense that it bothers you. But for the most part, he just puts himself out there and puts things out there because he puts such strange things in his films and he puts like weird moments in his film. Not just one but like a few to make you go kind of like, I don't know why this is happening, but I kind of like it, I think. I don't know. How do you, what do you think about that? You think that's a fair? Um, no, I mean, I assessment? think that I think that his energy is certainly what you're describing, but his filmmaking, I don't think is is indifferent to the audience. I think he's he's just so confident that he seems like a blank slate a lot of the time, but in in a weird way, it's like by doing that, when he gives like a little wink, like the tiny little wink, it becomes like much more interesting, you know? I wouldn't say he's indifferent. I just would say he just, I mean, I guess that's what I'm saying, but I, not quite, not quite indifferent, but just. Well, he's, he's sort of stoic, you know? He's unapologetic, I sure. would say. Yeah. That's what, that's how, I, that's what I was trying to describe. Don't know if I actually got there, but. That's what I was trying to describe, but well, I have this uh, I have this idea that might be relevant, right? Like you were talking right. about how like this movie is pretty the opposite of what you would call a comedy, you know. Um, but there, it, I would say there's funny moments, certainly, yeah. But, but it's not a comedy. But you were saying you were unexpected that that he was a comedy background. But I was I thinking do. comedians are actually experts at timing and control in a way that like other people don't necessarily like study the same way because like timing and control are so important to comedy. Right. Correct. So I think that in a weird way, he's just doing a lot of timing and control work, but outside of comedy. And it makes a very sort of different type of film that, you know, makes it like, it doesn't seem like it shares a lot with comedy, but it really kind of does. No, I think that's why I, to, answer your not your question but your statement at the before you settle that yes i think it is relevant and i think you are correct in that because i think that's why a lot of uh comedy people when they transition to do something serious everybody's like he's a comedy guy he can't Mm -hmm. make me feel like any emotion and i'm like well those two things are like closely linked and honestly 
like sometimes comedy's funny when there's a tragedy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Like it, yeah. it, you, you need that. So I don't think a lot of people understand that about comedy. And I think what you just said says it better than I'm trying to say it right now. Well, to but, be to be a successful comedian, you need a high degree of emotional intelligence because you're yes. manipulating people's emotions constantly. You know exactly. So, um, yes, I think that's very relevant, and that's probably why his dramatic stuff is, I think, so good. Mm-hmm. Um, even though for the and I coming through the filmmaking because typically he plays a character that um, doesn't show a lot of emotion. Um, and if it does, it usually, it's mostly comes out in anger, but doesn't show a whole lot of range of emotion, I should say. But in his films have a lot of range of emotion. So anyway, let's get into talking about this movie. So we gave you just a crash course on Beat Takeshi and, uh, we sidebarred into something stupid, which I may edit out later, but I'm probably not going to do it because <laughs> it's me. Um, but just to be clear before we get started, um, this is available on Tubi. John, how did you watch it? I watched this on a Blu-ray disc, which for the children is a way that you can watch things without the internet. <laughs> is this is this a standard Blu-ray or is this a 4K, John? Uh, standard. I mean, I, I don't think it's on 4K. Um, it's not 4K. Okay. But this, I, I got um, this, uh, it's actually part of a, a Beat Takeshi box set I got from Film Movement, so. There you go. That sounds awesome. So Free ad. You watched... You watch it. Is it still in print? Can people readily find this? Probably. I think so. I think I bought it about six months ago, so it should be. Oh, awesome! Yeah, yeah. I just got it for, like from their website. I don't know if it's on like Amazon, but right, exactly. So it's it's out there, and you got it fairly recently, so that's pretty good. Uh, I will say this: uh, I watched it, and obviously it's subtitled. There's no dub for this movie that I'm aware of, uh, and it looked it was on Tubi, and it actually looks pretty good. It actually looked pretty good. I think a lot of stuff on Tubi typically looks pretty good. Sometimes you get something that's like, I actually have a better copy of what Tubi's got. I don't know what, what copy they're using. Yeah, but it's but over it's bad, there. But... <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I'm just clicking it on. So either way is good. I just like to let people know, you know, at the time of this recording, you can find it on Tubi and you can find it readily available on Blu-ray and more than likely DVD. So that's cool. Um, before we get into this, we need to do trailer and spoilers. The only problem is, is, um, this is a very, it's not an old film. Well, it is an old film. It's a very, it's a, but it's not a very old film. It's from 1989 and there is no English trailer. The trailer has subtitles, so I can't play the trailer for you and then do spoiler warning. So, because John, like he said, has the actual physical copy of the movie in his hands and grasping it ever so tightly he's going to read the um uh the synopsis or the summary or whatever they have on the back thing um and then i will play nice music over under it so (laughs) (laughs) all right take it away in his acclaimed directorial debut takeshi takano plays detective azuma a renegade cop who delivers his own brand of justice Facing criminal charges for his dirty, hairy-style tactics, Azuma gets trapped in a web of betrayal after his investigation of a dangerous crime syndicate <gasps> reveals widespread police corruption. But when his sister is kidnapped by a sadistic drug lord, Azuma sets off on a furious trail of vengeance, destined for one final apocalyptic showdown. Poll quote, a Yakuza melodrama so astonishing, it went global. Oh, thank you very much. And runtime, please. Oh, jeez. Uh, sorry, uh... Find a little print on the back of this thing. Uh, 103 minutes. It is Japanese with English subtitles, and it's 185 to 1 widescreen. 
Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you very much. 103 three minutes. That's a tight, that's a tight runtime. I like that. Uh, thank you very much, John, for doing that and uh, giving us a synopsis. It's funny that it mentions dirty high or dirty. Oh God. Let me try that again. It's funny that it mentions Dirty Harry, because I have one of my notes. I have that uh, this is like a Japanese version of Dirty Harry. <laughs> so, but more sad, just more sad. More sad. So, not not. I won't say less is less awesome because it's, that's not true. It's not less awesome because it's still awesome. It's just a different kind of awesome, like a depressing kind of awesome. It's uh, contemplative. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, okay. I, I would say Dirty Harry is also that, too. At least the first one. The first one. Contemplative. <laughs> uh, can you use it in a sentence, please? Dirty Harry is contemplative. <laughs> <laughs> the word you need to spell is contemplative. This alert is to inform all crew members that we are currently entering a spoiler zone. If you wish to avoid spoilers, please disembark now. All right, so... There we go. So basically, he's a cop, and he's just violent, and he, he has his own brand of justice, yada, yada, yada. We have this. So, uh, you know, I, it's funny. I, the, one of the, the biggest things in my notes is that I, I said, I think I've seen this movie, but it's probably been 20 years. Mm-hmm. And then I did an ellipsis, and then I said, at some point, I will definitely say I have not seen this movie. <laughs> and later down in my notes, I, after uh, the one scene that we're going to talk about, I wrote, I definitely have not seen this movie. So, um, can, can, uh, can I, can I yeah. interject one thing before we Absolutely. get into any scenes, just because it's a, it's yeah. a, it's a through line that I noticed. And I, I don't know if you uh, might've noticed the same thing, but the movie opens not immediately, not the open open, but like the opening of the character that we meet, Azuma, is him in this long shot walking across the bridge and the camera's just staring him straight down like he's walking directly at the camera. And I noticed while I was watching that they repeat that shot a bunch of times throughout the movie. And after the second time, I started watching the way he was walking. And it's just really interesting to see how his character's walk changes based on what's happening in the movie. Um, I didn't notice that. He has a funny walk. He does, but his walk and his partner's walk are both reflective of what's happening in the film. And I thought it was a very interesting thing watching the film. So I just right. wanted to throw so that out there because, well, I'm just throwing it out there because I might reference it later. And if later. I, if I do, that's why. Okay. Fair enough. Thanks for pointing that out. I did not notice that because it didn't register with me. And I noticed the shot and I thought he was just doing it on purpose because he has a funny walk. No matter what movie you're watching with him in, he has a weird way of standing and a weird way of walking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's always like off kilter and off rhythm. I don't know if he does it on purpose in his films or if that's just his walk. I think he's almost like doing like a wounded Charlie Chaplin kind of thing. Could be like it's it's, it's interesting. To, I, I think he, I think it was intentional in this movie. I don't know about the rest of his films, but this was his first one, and he used it throughout. So I I know that I would expect this movie at least the walk is intentional. You know. Well, I'm interested in now. I'm curious to see what's going on. We're we're not going to go blow by blow blow. Oh my god. We're not going to go blow by blow, beat by beat on this. Ha ha ha, beat by beat. But um, I we will. That's just, like, that's not a copyright uh, thing. Just please don't. 
<laughs> Please, he would sue us. He would. Yeah, he's that quirky. He's a litigious man. <laughs> Did you okay? So we do you know, know about his video game that he made on the the Famicom, which would RB the would RB? Oh my god, the Famicom, <laughs> which is and there's going to be so much editing in this, or I'm just going to be like, I don't care. It's just going to go out and it's going to be a mess. This is just how our conversations <laughs> made, go, though. So, uh, it is the way. Okay, so he beat Takeshi made a game on the Famicom. Which, for everybody in the North America, that's the NES, the old school 80s video game system. Did you ever hear about it? Oh, yeah. I mean, when I was a kid, um, like, I swear, there was like a Ninja Gaiden or something that was out <clears throat> in Japan that wasn't out in America yet. And so, like, me and my grade school friends were, like, seriously trying to figure out how to import a Famicom, which is ridiculous for, like, a bunch of 12-year-olds. But, like, that's what we were thinking about. He has this game, and the... <laughs> The game is practically unbeatable. And he made and 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 for that day and age, it wasn't that it was hard, it it's it's that it was so cryptic. Right. It was so cryptic and uh I don't it may be, I can't remember because it's been a while since I've talked about that game, but it's barely a game. First off, it's barely a game and it's incredibly cryptic. And it may not be beatable. I can't. I honestly can't remember. He, because he's the kind of person who would make a video game. Like they would ask him, and he'd be like, "I don't know anything about video games." And he's like, "Wait, no, I will make one." And he'd make one, and it would be completely unbeatable. <laughs> he'd make it really hard and weird and cryptic and and completely unbeatable. But I guarantee you, if you beat it, it like unlocks like you know the seventh layer of hell or something. You know, like. <clears throat> it probably if you beat it somebody would knock at your door and it would be like a tray and on the tray would be like cigarettes <laughs> loose cigarettes laid out okay so that that's actually more in line with his style yeah <laughs> like it'd be like what what is how did you know what is this for it's like uh, you beat the game I'm like wait who are you you know and it's, that's that's my in my mind that's how it would work that's what he would do it's the last starfighter but there's the reward is just a cigarette <laughs> <laughs> you are now the new beat takeshi now we're gonna force you to have a motorcycle accident that just disfigures you permanently <laughs> here take <laughs> here take these ray-bans oh and this handgun <laughs> you're the new beat takeshi by the way if your next comedy set fails we're gonna break your knees <laughs> <laughs> This got dark. Why are we talking about Famicom? (laughs) (laughs) It is one of my favorite gambits, which is to take things dark places and then blame the other person. (laughs) (laughs) It's like Japanese game show. They don't reward knowledge. They punish ignorance. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, all right, it's totally on brand for what we're talking about. All right, so the movie opens. Speaking of uh, things happening to your body parts, um, some teenagers are messing with uh, a homeless guy, and it goes on for a while. Not too long, but it goes on for longer than it, it, you'd think it should, and the kids finally go home, and they're just like, yeah, man, see you tomorrow, whatever, you're stupid, just like teenagers do. And he follows one of the teenagers home, he basically like shoves his way in and he like flashes his badge, pushes his way in politely, you know, at first. But you can tell he like means business. 
And then he goes upstairs to the teenager's room, at least one of them, and starts beating him up. Mm-hmm. And he just starts beating him up, and he gets all bloody. And so it just, like, sets the tone of, one, the film, obviously, and who this guy is. Yeah. And he doesn't even arrest the kid or do anything or talk to the mom. He just says, you better turn yourself in, and you know, all your friends better turn yourself into the police station. And that's it. And then it basically just cuts to the next day. Yeah. Well, and of him walking across the bridge. Yeah. <clears throat> and that, that walking shot, I think there's actually a pretty long sequence of him walking. Probably a lot of it's under the credits or something. But it's kind of interesting because it, it really just sets this weird pace for the movie where you realize you're going to have a lot of slow takes, a lot of long sort of static shots. And it kind of... Yes. It's like th- this guy's personality is violent, but the movie is patient. And it like it sets those two things with those two scenes side by side right away. Interesting that you point that out because as we talk about some of these scenes, it's going to be like, wow, this is, sounds like a crazy um, just action-packed movie. There is action, but you're right. It does have a deliberate pace. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people, when you say it's slow, it means that the movie is boring. No, it's not boring. It's not boring at all. As a matter of fact, every time you think it's going to get to a boring part, something crazy happens or something interesting happens in the movie and and gets your attention and like grabs you because it'll like slow down and go to this like deliberate pace is the best way I can say it to where it just is like you can tell something's building or you can tell that it's taking its time so that you get the full gravity of what's about to happen or what just happened. Well, and and I think that, you know, it's like a lot of movies are about the adrenaline rush of the car chase or the gunfight or whatever. Yeah. But this is almost about like the fear of what could happen more than it is about, you know what I mean? Like, so all that, all that pacing is, is designed to key into like, keeping you at the edge of your seat to see what's about to like spring on you, you know? Um, yeah. So it's like, it's got a totally different focus to it, but like you said, it's not, it's not boring at all. It's totally engaging. No, no, it's totally engaging, but it does have a slow pace. Absolutely. Yeah. But again, I just wanted to like iterate that because sometimes you're like, that's slow, but it doesn't slow pace does not mean um, that it's boring. Like you and I get that. Like if I said that to you, you would get it, but like maybe some listener who's just like casual, oh, casual movie watcher. They're like slow. I don't, I'm not interested in this, but it's like, no, it's, 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 uh, it's doing it for a reason. It, it knows what it's doing. It's taking its time. So I just talked about the, like the opening scene. He, he beats up some teenagers. There's so many sidebars with this because we just have a history with beat Takeshi. I know I do. I know you do, but I get the sense that, <laughs> I get the sense that um, he doesn't actually like kids and specifically <laughs> teenagers. I mean, do you? I mean, <laughs> no, I don't like teenagers. But um, okay, so if you look at his like filmography, this is like, this is just nothing but sidebar territory. But you have to kind of talk about it. Like, um, I don't know, man. Uh, I don't know. Like you look at Battle Royale, <laughs> yeah, and you look at uh, some other movies that, um, off the top of my head, I can't really think of. But 
you just look at that kind of that movie and this movie where he just I don't know if he actually does or not in real life, but there's like a common theme that runs through a lot of his movies, and one of them is is smacking kids around. <laughs> Beat Takashi here here to speak on behalf of Corporal Punishment. <laughs> name's beef for a reason who's gonna, he gonna beat your kids who's gonna stand up for the hand <laughs> i always say it's for the kids but what about for the hand <laughs> all right john I, there's just some scenes here and there that i want to talk about but actually you you completely i cannot cannot stop thinking about this walk theory i want to i want to know it i want to know okay so what's going on i mean if you recall like basically you know, with the open, you get that sort of first walk and you kind of, it, it doesn't really seem like much, you know, he's kind of just got that weird gait, but he's just walking to work. But if you watch over the course of the movie, like he gets this new partner and they're kind of getting to know each other and he goes out drinking with him and you'll notice the partner is walking with him from then on. And as the movie goes, what I noticed was that first the partner's sort of like, further away from him and sort of like further back. And then they kind of get close together. And then as the partner starts participating in the things that beat is doing, his walk actually starts to match beats walk, like his weird little gate. And then like, as it goes, I think there's a part where they get injured and they start like the walk shots start to be like more like gruff and limpy. Um, and then of course, you know, towards the end of the film, when the final thing happens, the final shot of the movie is also just mirroring what has happened. You know, if you recall, yeah, uh, it's you can delete the cyclical ed- edit point if you want, but the partner is now walking in a shot that mirrors the opening shot. Exactly. Now we're in spoiler territory, so well, I just I'm just telling um, you in post because you know you can fix that in post if you wanna. <laughs> oh, I'm fighting words. Don't start breaking your own rule now. Don't start breaking your own rule. You're gonna open that floodgate. This is called aggressive compliance. <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah are you sure you're not a lawyer <laughs> i have the spirit of um, a lawyer and the body of a 7-eleven attendant <laughs> that's a that's a interesting combo there can yeah, speak more on that okay. uh, have you heard of krispy creams uh, <laughs> have you heard of krispy oh krispy creams now sponsored by super Movie. uh <laughs> yes i sponsored them not the other way around uh, I was gonna win it. Why? So, no, heck no. Are you kidding me? This this entity that I have created is a billion dollar industry. <laughs> now I'm just thinking about every um, glazed donut has a little super movie ball logo on it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you! What are you doing? Get out of here! Like, <laughs> you're ruining our donuts. Super movie ball. <laughs> it's like chucked out the door. <laughs> um, this episode's ruined, by the way. It's absolutely ruined. I, um, I apologize we, for showing up on your show. No, no, don't ever apologize. People are going to start listening now. Like they think like, these guys they just start talking about one thing and they end up talking about Gogurt for three minutes. Speaking of Gogurt, <laughs> speaking of Gogurt, no. Uh, so yes, it does mirror the end. It's very cyclical, um, and some, some a lot of things happen. And are of consequence, but uh, in the grand scheme of things, the world keeps on turning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at least that's what I got out of it. You know what I mean? From a very 
you know, a broad view of everything. Well, and, and with those shots um, mirroring that, you know, makes total sense because it's basically saying the, the, yeah. the violent cop in the title. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know what the Japanese original title is, but like it's, it's yeah. not necessarily actually the beat character. It's just the violent cop of the moment, you know? Exactly. Exactly. So, um, just through moving through the plot, plot, there's just different things that are happening. Basically, um, the movie opens and there's a drug dealer and a drug deal goes bad. Somebody gets killed, which is basic, not basically, it's what gets all the events moving. And then you find out that the drug dealer is getting the drugs from a police officer. They don't know who. And so Bitsukeshi investigates a murder and tries to find that out. And it's one thing after another, and it just gets absolutely crazy and then turns into like a one-on-one sort of showdown between, I would say, the main antagonist antagonist, and Bitsukeshi's character. We're not going to call him by his character name because I don't care. I never do that. I never call anybody by their main character name because that's not the kind of podcast we are. I just, everybody's just, the actor is that person in that movie. Okay. So. <laughs> I, look, sidebar, I, tr- I tried I to follow accept... characters' names for Corpse Mania and it was just a mess. So yeah, I, I get it. <laughs> I will accept, if you won't say Beat Takeshi, Violence Police Constable. Not violent, violence, police constable. I will accept that or VPC for sure. So, but no, I, there's just a couple of scenes that I really like. There's, um, there's the one that I really, uh, <laughs> well, one of the scenes is, is Beats goes out with his new partner. Who's a rookie who introduces himself like twice and beats just like, you know, whatever. Like, I don't even think he says anything the second time. He just is like, he just he doesn't shrug his shoulders. He just sort of looks at him and then walks away. But they go out drinking, and it looks like they've been drinking all mm-hmm. night because they take a cab from the bar to the murder scene. Okay, I don't know if you. The one thing I love about this though is he make beat Takeshi rips off like four police officers in quick succession in this, and I just want to point out it made me laugh. It's <laughs> <laughs> so. But it, but it's it's part of the action that Mac is describing, so don't get discur- don't get confused. No, it's a it, look. If I leave anything out, feel free to interrupt me. But he gets in the car. The first off, they're at the bar all night because they get off of work, and then he takes the rookie to a bar, messes with the rookie, which I won't get into. You just have to watch the movie. They get into a cab. It's daylight outside. <laughs> they're going to the murder scene where the drug deal goes bad. And uh, they find a body and they get first off, they don't even know where they're going. He tells the cab driver, uh, just follow the patrol car. And so they follow the patrol car. So he has no idea where he's supposed to go, even though somebody has been murdered. He gets out of the car. He makes uh, he says, I don't have any money. And the rookie doesn't have any money. He makes the police officer that's on site pay for the cab. Well, the reason the rookie doesn't have any money is because. Takeshi already took it all and lost it gambling. <laughs> yes, at the bar. So <laughs> then he's I'm like, I'm laughing at that. Like he made the gone site police officer begrudgingly plays pays the cabbie uh, the fee. Then he comes up, tries to find out what's going on. 
I think he's smoking and talking to one of the uh, older cops on the scene that's been around like him. And they're just like back and forth. And I don't even think he goes down to the crime scene. I forget. Does he go down to the crime scene at all? Does Beat Takeshi go down to the crime scene? Um, I think that they like look at the corpse and then go like, where's the other guy? And just wander off, you know, like I, he's he's like a cursory appearance, you know. We as the audience go down there because the camera goes down there, but I don't think he examines the, the crime scene. No, no, no. He, anyway, he talks. He talks si- to the cop next to the body. I think, but we, but he doesn't check anything out. Well, not at first. He goes up because there's a shot that's on the um, street, and then there's a shot, and behind them in the background is like all the way down to the docks because it drops down a few levels. You go down some stairs, and it goes to the dock mm-hmm. where the boats are. So they're up there first. I don't remember if they go down. It doesn't matter because all that really matters, it's not about the dead body. The police officer that paid for the cab, he goes up there and hits him up for like 10,000 yen, which is like $75 in America. Yeah. So did I miss anything? Is there anybody else that he ripped off? Oh, like I mean, it's really not important, but it's it's like he he breaks the bank for the rookie and then makes another cop pay for the cab and then borrows money off of a third guy and embarrasses the rookie for not having cash. It's just like, it's the, it's just the best series of events, you know? But the thing about it is, you know, we don't really, I mean, we sort of have this in American culture, but especially in Japanese culture, uh, I won't really get into it, but they basically have like a senior rookie type relationship with every job and like everything. So, um, you know, uh is like the senpai or whatever, meaning that he's like the senior guy. And so the rookie has to sort of kowtow to him and like um, take a little bit of abuse from him sometimes if, if he chooses to, you know, beat Takeshi chooses to dish it out or, you know, uh, basically is sort of subserv- subservient to uh, the rookie's like subservient to the senior guy. And you kind of have to, um, it, it would be... <laughs> I, I don't I don't know how else to describe it. It's kind of like when you have kids and you've got the older kid and the younger kid. The younger kid is just kind of like, whatever, scrub. You go over there and, and you do that and you tell them what to do. And the, the parents are out of the house. It's like that kind of re- weird relationship. that, And it's very common in Japan. Um, I Maybe I'll talk about it at another time. This is already running a little longer than I wanted to, so I'm not going to get into it. But that plays a part into it. So John's right. He's like getting money like off of everybody even the other people that are like his equals. And he's like, Oh yeah, give me that money. And how come you don't have any money? I try to get money off you. You don't have any money. Next time you better have money. (laughs) You know, just like totally bullying him. And the best part about it is they're coming to a murder scene and the whole series, like you said, it's the best series of events because all of it is hilarious. It's not like supposed to be like laugh out loud, but I was laughing through that whole point. I'm like, he's going to a murder scene. Like somebody died. Like what's happening? I don't. It's like what am I watching? That's what I'm saying. Like somebody brutally is murdered, in between like uh, uh, you know, being introduced to Bitakeshi and all the other cops coming into the police station, and then you know somebody's murdered and a brutal like drug deal going wrong. Uh, you know they they're not shot. They're knifed to death, and so it's pretty gruesome. And then, you know, he goes out to a bar and he's gambling and smoking and doing whatever. And then cut to daylight and he's doing all this stuff and borrowing off money and harassing people and just acting like 
it's just another day at the office you know it's so again it, it's a part of his style that i really like that's just like how are these two um opposite things fitting together so well yeah you know? the juxtaposition is just like amazing i agree <laughs> that's, that's all I have. I mean, there's just a lot of scenes like that. The other scene that I really like is they're after the one guy they call the pimp, but he's a part of the, like the drug, uh, the main drug dealer guy. They're after him, and <laughs> this is another funny scene. They're trying to apprehend him, and it's like four different cops, and three of them get beat up. Yeah, and then the guy escapes out of the window. And then in slow motion, he's running down the alley, and there's another cop that's, like, messing around with kids that are playing baseball or whatever in this alley. And he's just, like, you know, tugging on one of their hats, like, baseball caps, like, oh, you little guy, what are you doing? What are you doing over there, man? And so he notices the criminal running down the alley. And it, like, slows down, and all of a sudden, the smooth, like, slow jazz kicks in. Oh, it was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. It's like this really violent ballet, and he tries to apprehend this guy, and they're fighting and struggling with each other, and the cop gets hit with a metal bat over the head, and I'm like... Well, and what I loved about that is that, if I recall, like, the impact of the bat is, like, then ramped up to, like, double speed. It's, like, brutal. Yes. And yes. it's that, that juxtaposition with the slow-mo and the jazz, like, it was like, I think I literally went like, <laughs> like <laughs> Oh, there was a bunch of moments in this where I was like, oh. <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> I, Popcorn was going everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> but it, yeah, it's, it's, it's that moment, but it was, it was great. It was like a, it was like a work of art mm-hmm. because it just. Well, like this violent struggle was happening, but the smoothest of jazz, it was like sultry jazz. Well, and then it, it was like a, kind of, almost like love scene jazz. Well, and this is kind of like going back to what I was talking about with timing. It's like, obviously the brutality was emphasized by that change up, but then the guy goes down the alley and this is where, um, beat Takeshi is chasing him in the car. Right. Yeah. And it, it suddenly becomes like a comedy of errors about like driving between the partner and beat and like them making wrong turns down one way streets. And it's a really funny scene until change it up again. Beat Takeshi decides to run the man down <laughs> with his car. Well, when he's running before they get to the car chase, when he's beat Takeshi's because he's in the hallway when all this stuff is going on. And then he notices the, the guy run out of the window, the, the criminal. He's running down the alley. He doesn't even bother to check on the cop that's laying on the ground. No, of course not. Um, who has a massive head wound from getting hit with a metal bat. He just doesn't even stop. It's yeah. the rookie cop that stops and calls it in uh, with all that, which then it cuts to for like a few minutes or not a few minutes, but just like a few seconds. The other two cops that got beat up because the rookie cop was one of the cops that got beaten up. The other two cops that got beaten up in the apartment, they are, I think one of them is having a smoke and one of them's drinking a soda. <laughs> and they're acting like, oh man, we got him, but that was rough. And they're just like drinking and just 
they're not even running. They're not jogging. They're not concerned with anything. They're just like, oh, I got beaten up, and man, but we got them, and let me just take a, get a Coke here, and I'm going to maybe grab a beer and a quick cigarette, even though it's the middle of the day, kind of thing. And then I'm like, what is going on? I was like, there's a cop laying on the ground with a massive head wound. He's bleeding out. Um, you got Pete Takashi. He's about ready to run this guy over with his car, and you guys are not even, you don't even care. And then... They cut back to beat Takeshi and the rookie, and the rookie's trying to drive, and they switch places, and Beat's like, let me drive. You don't know what you're doing. So he gets in the car. Then they cut back to those guys. Those guys are running again. They're running. So it's like they need a break. Well, you know, it's like <laughs> smokers, smokers need to, like, loosen things up before they get going. You know what I'm talking about? I'll take your word on it, because <laughs> I'm not. I was never a smoker. But I was like, it's so bizarre. I'm like, wait a second. I was like, is that an editing mistake? It was not an editing mistake. No. It was just, those guys just needed a break. They just needed a quick break. They got their butts kicked in. They needed a break. A quick smoke. Quick I mean, they Pepsi. might as well have, been, they might as well have like cut to close up of them breaking a, like a Kit Kat bar in half. You know? Like, <laughs> just like. <laughs> you want a sandwich? Like, let's get a sandwich, man. Give me a break. And, but it's Give it's the middle. Break. break me up a piece of that Kit Kat bar. Katano <laughs> bar. Um, yeah, it's a cash cheap eat. <laughs> Chrysler car. No, uh, so <laughs> it's just weird because it's a not only in the in the movie in the sense of the movie world is there a chasing going on, and there's like we're watching two people have a break, but it also, it breaks up and it's only, it's only, I, I'm describing it like it's five minutes and it's not, it's probably 30 seconds or whatever, yeah. but it's, it's breaking up <laughs> like the chasing in the movie. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, like, I mean, it's, it's, well, I think he's, he's just like using it as an editing trick to like break the pace between the two scenes, you know? Yeah, but it works. It works. It doesn't, mm-hmm. It doesn't mess with the pacing of it, even though it should. And it doesn't, it, it, for a second, at least it took me, I don't know if it took you out of it, but it took me out of it for a second. Cause I was like, wait a second. I was like, what are these guys doing? I was like, is it over? I was like, what? Oh no, wait, it's still going. The chase is still going. So what, what were we just seeing with those guys? They were like taking a break. Like, I mean, they were walking down the street, but they weren't like in any hurry or to get done. They were just, (laughs) it's like, they just finished their shift. It's like, what's happening? No, I don't know. It, it's again very odd, uh, very offbeat, but it worked. It worked wonderfully. So he clearly knows what he's doing, and I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I just watch the things. I just watch the things. The other thing that I wanted to mention is uh, there's a lot of slapping, a lot of punching, oh, a yeah. lot of kicking going on. But the kicking, and I was talking with this about uh, Peter off mic and. Because I mentioned we were going to talk about this movie, but the one thing Peter said is that he's like, I just remember the slapping in it, and he's like, it's yeah. the kind of slapping that's like more humiliating than it is trying to hurt somebody, like physically hurt them. It's more like a slap that you want to emotionally hurt them and take away like their self esteem. You know yeah. what I mean? It's that. It's that kind. It's like when a, you know, it's like when a woman slaps a guy. And it's like ah, you brute, and like slaps him. It's not to hurt him. It's to kind of take away his self esteem and make him feel foolish and humiliate him. Um, but the, uh, the thing for me, I do notice the slapping obviously, cause there's a lot of it and a lot of people like bleed from it cause that's how yeah. hard the slaps are. 
Uh, and that happens a lot in Japanese movies. I don't know if you notice that, but there's a ton of that. Specifically in Japanese movies, there's a lot of slapping um, of people. But the other thing that I noticed that is sort of along the same lines as far as like taking away uh, people's dignity and humiliating them is the kick. There's a lot of mm-hmm. kicking, and they're not like karate kicks or big old soccer kicks, like if somebody's on the ground no, it's to try more, to it's hurt more them. Like rolling somebody over, like like destabilizing their center of gravity and like making them fall back over, you know? Yeah, it's like these little nudge kicks. Like you, I told Peter it was like when you go to kick tires on a car. Like yeah, you give it a little kick. You want to give you want to give it enough impact, but it's not. You're not trying to knock the tire off its axle. You know what I mean? You're the wheel off its axle. You're trying to like just eh, give it. A, can it? Can you stand a little kick? Oh man, I've been doing wrong. I've, <laughs> I've been doing Van Dams to the tires all these years. <laughs> You've been doing it Street Fighter style. Yeah, yeah, just like like screaming, you? you know, Hadouken and then <laughs> failing to and do it. it. No, it's Street Fighter 2 style. No, I'm just saying, like, uh, they just, the, the kicks are just in this, and they're, like, they're not so much to, like, it hurts them, and you can tell that it hurts them, but it's more of, like, a nudge. It's, like, a strong nudge. It's just, like, uh, uh, like, you would, like, you would stamp down something, like, if you're trying to push something down a drain or something, like, take that, get out of way, you little thing, you know what I mean? Get, get, get back in there. <laughs> get back, get, get back, get back, get back. There it is, you know? It's, it's freaking, that kind freaking. of nudging, stomping kind of kick, but it's not like, you know, you jump up and down on it or you big, get, like I said, a big old striker soccer kick. And it's just, it's like the slap. It's just there to like take, like, yeah, I'm, you're on the ground. And I'm just going to beat you a little bit. I'm just going to like, yeah, humiliate you a little bit. It's kind of funny because like the combined effect of that is like, hey, so first I'm going to take all your money. Then I'm going to slap you around a bit. Then I'm going to kick you <laughs> while you're down. Right. The whole process is just like utterly demoralizing. (laughs) Yeah. I think what I'm saying is that if I ever go to Japan, I'm not working. (laughs) (laughs) You're just going to do that. You're just going to bully your way through Japan. (laughs) No, no, I'm not working. I'm just going to like be like, I'm a tourist. Don't, don't hate me. (laughs) Oh, that's not going to stop them. Oh, you're a tourist, huh? Come over here. Where are you from? Oh yeah. I don't like that place. Western Uh, Canada, you say? (laughs) (laughs) You just kind of like, slap you around. Give me your money. You got good tourist money, huh? It takes a lot of money to get over here. You know, that kind of thing. Uh, the Speaking of slapping people around, there's one scene where uh, the sister, who we have not mentioned yet, who is, um, how should he put this? Uh, she's uh, she's not playing with a full deck. Yes. Uh, I would say she's intellectually disabled, I think is the It term. seems like it's also possibly like a PTSD. It's like, it's kind of poorly defined, but it's, there's it, something going it on. Is. There's something going on there. She's not quite right. Excuse me, but she has a gentleman caller friend over when B. Takeshi goes to visit her in the morning and he, you know, B. Takeshi makes him feel very uncomfortable from the get-go, so he gets dressed and he rushes out the door and as he's rushing out the door, Beat Takeshi just starts slapping and kicking him down the stairs. Yeah. Uh, out of her apartment. And I was just like, what the heck? And I-, I thought, like, maybe he knew this guy. But then he starts, like, asking this guy questions and, like, who are you? Like, are you going to be good? You're just going to leave? Is this a one-night stand? Like, he just starts grilling the guy while he's, like, beating them down the street to go to the... He's like, I'm going to get a cab. And he's like, no, you'll go to the bus. He's like, you need to take the bus. <laughs> you know? And you're like, 
what? He's like telling the guy what to do. And And, one, even when he's waiting for the bus, he's still like kicking him and slapping him. (laughs) Yes. And the guy's like trying to get dressed. Like he's not even fully dressed. He's just got like pants on. But and okay. he's got like his shoes in his hand and his shirt's all unbuttoned. And I, I don't know. I don't know how you felt about this, but I thought this was one of those scenes where that comedian background comes in because it starts off really funny. But by the time you get to the bus station, like I feel really bad for this guy. Like <laughs> yeah, he didn't I, do anything. I, no, but I think I think Takeshi is like I'm gonna do this funny thing until it like makes people sad. <laughs> <laughs> like I think that was on it's purpose, like you know. Somebody- it's like when a comedian just runs something into the ground and then eventually it becomes funny. We don't again. have to be coy. It's Dane Cook. It's like when Dane Cook runs something. <laughs> into the ground. I was thinking Letterman. Oh, okay. I was thinking Letterman, not Dane Cook. I was thinking somebody actually funny. I, I went to but. a comedy show where Dane Cook was not supposed to be performing. And then he did a surprise set, which was just him making fun of a guy in the front seat for 25 minutes. Mm, that sounds good. Yeah. He so sounds good. At his he sounds, job. sounds like a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> he is he the, he's the sort of person we should elevate in society <laughs> he doesn't sound like any kind of bag that you would think of anyway sorry uh, bringing Perhaps my personal baggage into this no 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 feel free this is partially what this is for is it's and another thing one time my mother oh. <laughs> john how long did you wet the bed uh, um, this this week, I mean, it was only like twenty thirty <laughs> seconds at a time. <laughs> so yeah, so he's he's there at the bus stop and he's just like beating that guy around, and it's just again, it's like what what's happening? You don't even know this guy. You, you, instead of just having that um normal thing where it's like I'm the big brother and I'm gonna spook you and and uh, grill you and be like, who's this guy? And be sort of. Uh, overly aggressive or passive aggressive with him he's just like no i'm gonna i'm gonna beat you around first i'm gonna stare at you awkwardly i'm gonna stand in the bedroom while you try to get dressed and then i'm gonna follow you out and then beat you up and then ask you questions as as a little bit of an aside nothing makes it harder to put on pants than somebody looking at you just like in general like that's when you're destined to fall directly on your face (laughs) And he's all falling all over himself. And it's this is a common theme with him. Uh, beat Takeshi when he is in movies. He, he'll beat somebody. And he'll slap them around and kick them. And he'll just look them in the eye. And for the most part, he won't say a word. He won't say a word. Through a lot of this, he does not say a word. Um, when he's being a you know a violent cop. He just doesn't say. He'll say something like, after the fact. Or maybe before, but while it's happening, there's not a lot coming out of his mouth. And he just stares a lot. He's, he does that a lot in his, a lot of his movies. He has, like, just this intense stare that he lays on people. And, I mean, it, it is the kind of stare that, I mean, really, it's like, it defines entire scenes. Like, you know, this is like Travis Bickle in the mirror in Taxi Driver stare. Like, it is... Yeah. It, it is iconic. Like, it's hard to explain. But when you see him do this, you're like, oh, I get it. I, I get why this guy is famous for doing that. <laughs> he has such like a minimal response or even sometimes a non-response to violence um, when he's either dishing it out or when he's taking it. 
Like, even when he gets, he's getting beaten up, or he gets shot, or he gets stabbed, there's just, like, he doesn't hardly have any response. And it's not one of those things where it's like, oh, I'm a tough guy, whatever. He just, there's, it's, it, there was a number, he got shot a few times, and other than, like, him acting on getting, you know, he's, it's squids, but taking the impact of the bullet, you know, that, that's really it. You know, it's it's pretty crazy, but um, we're moving into an hour here, John. And oh, I don't no. know. I mean, I didn't have a whole lot to say about this movie. I think if if this is sounds like I don't have a whole lot to say to this movie. Was there anything else that you wanted to add that you wanted to talk about? I don't want to cut you off or anything like that. Oh no, no, of course not. Um, but I I mean, I think for me, what stuck out um, for Violent Cop is this is his first movie. And we, we talked about some of the stylistic things that he brings to it as far as like the pacing being super deliberate and his use of music and the way that he has unexpected comedy. Um, one thing I don't think we really talked about is his, his photography is actually pretty interesting because yeah he chooses these angles and compositions that seem sort of mundane, but then he holds them for a really long time. So then he has to block the scene to make sense for that shot. Um, and I, and I think the reason he chooses his shots is usually for a very distinct purpose. It's not just like, I like this composition. I'm going to hold it. But like the scene where he's slapping the guy in the, the locker room, I think it is, or the, uh, I, I can't remember which one it was, but he holds that shot for a solid two minutes almost, I swear. And it's just this intense beat down just of this repeated slapping over and over again but the shot is designed so that you can see you know katano's intensity and the victim's like demoralization like throughout the scene progress and it's really smart and then there's other shots that are just pretty and then random things that are just another director wouldn't have done this this way it's this is sort of non-traditional in its composition and so he's even with that slow pace, he's perpetually doing things to bring interest to the scene. And it's music, pacing, comedy, shots. Like, it's all just working, you know? And I think that's part of the reason why I find his movies so fascinating is because they are superficially very minimalistic. But when you really are actually focused on them, there's a lot going on. There is a lot going on. We haven't really talked about the music. We typically don't talk about music a whole lot on this podcast simply because the majority of people that are on the show, which would, is me, I don't know anything about music or music theory. I know what I like. I you know I know different genres. I know different artists, whatever. But the music in this movie is really good, and it's really interesting. I like the reoccurring theme. It's uh, very quirky. It's kind of a quirky-sounding uh, theme but it totally fits it fits beat Takeshi and it fits the movie the movies again it's kind of off kilter so it fits the movie um, it has sort of, it sounds when you first hear it it sounds silly but then like the music also has this undercurrent of like menace <clears throat> to it which is we it's a weird combination and it all sort of works together well, it, I mean, and then there's it's it's just off enough to throw you off your expectation, you know, like so many other things in the movie, you know. Exactly, exactly. And I agree with you. That I, I think that goes along with what you were saying about the cinemato- cinematography because there are really good shots in this and there are interesting shots. It's It looks really good. I'm sure it looks great, 
on the Blu-ray. It definitely looks better than it does on Tubi, but it actually still looks really good on Tubi. I was watching it um, last night, and I was like, this this is a good-looking film. You know, I wish they would go back to shooting things on film, you know, uh, because they just they look so good. And, um, again, he has a good way of, you know, of composition, and he does interesting things with it, which is amazing. He must have studied a lot or just is loves film because this is his first movie. And he to me, he knocks it out of the park. Yeah. I don't think this is his best film, but as a first go around, and I think he actually wrote it as well. Let me check. When you're, t- uh, you're talking was- about him... Uh- him loving film it's like the open of the movie to me felt like a clockwork orange nod like right off the bat and it's like you know there's there's little things that almost like feel like references to other movies as well so i, I think you're you're probably right there, about that there were some things in here that i was guns like you know i need to rewatch this because there's a few nods in here that i won't bring up i'll let people watch it so they can discover it for themselves but um there's a few nods in here to stuff and he, he always just does that in his movies he always does nods to different movies, Western movies or other Japanese films, uh, especially I didn't notice it at first, but then when I started watching films more and more, like Japanese films more and more, I noticed certain things mm-hmm. um, that he takes nods to. But yeah, he did. There was two writers on this, and he was one of them. So okay. as far as like starring in it, directing it, partially writing it, I don't know what how much of the script he wrote, but uh, I think this is a really good film is there anything else john that you wanted to point out before we wrap this up um not really i mean i guess i just uh i this was the first of his movies that i saw and there's several of his other movies that have similar sort of violent characters but then like you said there's also some movies of his that are unexpectedly sweet and so i think for people that yeah might not be into the violent side of this uh he's he's a filmmaker worth checking out even if this particular one doesn't sound interesting to you because his, exactly. his work does cross a lot of genres. It does. He's, he's, um, he's actually done quite a few uh, types of movies. He doesn't just stick to one thing. So he's got, he, he spreads it around as far as the, the genres go in film. Um, I, John, would you recommend this film? I mean, depending on who I was talking to. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's it's not a universal good time, but um, if you're the kind of person that likes watching movies from other countries just for the sake of it, and you like things that are, like we said, paced a little slower or a little bit off kilter, then definitely go for it. Um, I, I think it's a terrific piece of art, but if you're the kind of person that's scared by art and film being in the same sentence, no, don't watch it. Yeah, the, we didn't really talk about him on this show um, or this episode, but... Um there, there are some disturbing moments in this movie. At least there were for me. Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah. yeah. So that I, I'm with you, John. I would recommend this, but it's not a broad recommendation. It's for a certain type of people. If you like, if you if you know the names of more than three single screen theaters, you should watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's a perfect recommendation. I don't think it gets any better than that. But yeah, if this sounds like something that you might be into, an offbeat. Movie. I mean, it's what's on the package is what's in the box with this movie. Uh, it is a movie about a violent cop. It is off kilter and off beat, sort of strange movie, but it's not hard to follow at all. 
um, there's some moments that may, might make you go, oh, what? Like, why did that happen? But it'll make sense, or it's just there just to be there. And you either, again, to me, it's either like you accept it or take it on or you don't. But so it's this is not your gateway movie into Beat Takeshi. I think the movie that I was talking about earlier, the movie with him and the little kid, Kikajiro, that that's the one that would be your gateway one. And maybe we'll talk about that. But I'm with John. I echo everything he just said. Um, he is definitely a filmmaker and an actor worth getting into. Um, for a second I thought you were calling me a filmmaker and actor and I was like well that's a bit much (laughs) (laughs) follow John you guys his oeuvre is just so good he did this thing back in the day that you would not believe (laughs) (laughs) just groundbreaking I mean he makes Orson Welles look like an idiot (laughs) (laughs) Francois Truffaut Federico Fellini Fools. <laughs> Fellini <Nincompoops>. garbage. <laughs> I apologize uh, to everybody who ever taught me anything. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, I'm so sorry. I have betrayed my creed. <laughs> <laughs> and therefore you must die. All right, John. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks Thank for you talking for having about me. this movie. We made an absolute mess of it, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, I mean, that's what the internet is for. (laughs) (laughs) You're not wrong. Is there anything, uh, is there anything you want to plug? Is there, do you want people to follow you? Do you want people to, is cinema slop, is that still a thing? I mean, technically, yes, I would say, um, (laughs) there's been talk of coming back, but right now, if you just want to check out our, uh, our video game season, which has been quickly outdated by better better productions that weren't in reality when we made it um i thought it was fun but uh it was also a lot of pain which is why we haven't done recordings lately so uh yeah you know we could bring it back and talk about the new super mario brothers movie that just came out yeah i don't i don't know if i'm ready for that you know what i just can we can we just like watch like i don't know mystery alaska or something like i just video games i can't do it anymore man i (laughs) I can't, I don't have, I don't have any desire, you know, yeah. I, I've got old school love for Mario, um, but video games and comic book movies and superhero stuff and Star Wars and all that. I need a break, man. It's not that I don't like it and it's not that I don't love it. I just need a break. Here's, here's, a break here's what it. I'm going to say about the, the last of us adaptation, which I have not watched. It is probably fantastic <laughs> until you get to the sewer and then it's just too hard to complete and you have to just quit. Just like the game. <laughs> Just like the game. Uh, and on that note, we, we will end it. John, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been great. Uh, for those of you that don't know, there is a backlog. And it's funny, when I was going through this and setting up my software, I saw a file that said Black Belt. Hey, you remember that episode? That <laughs> I do, did? I do. 100 years? I still haven't watched the sequel. released. <laughs> that still has not been released. Oh man, there are episodes. I know, dude. Um, so there's a backlog. So we're gonna be releasing those episodes. I think I mentioned that before. But John, thank you so much. Thank you for talking about Black Belt like three years ago, and coming on and talking about violence, cop, violence, police constable with me. This was a lot of fun. We're running a little bit long here, people. 
But thanks for listening to me in my raspy voice. And thank you so much, John. You're awesome. Um, say goodbye, Gracie. Goodbye, Gracie. Oh, George Burns and Gracie Allen, right? Uh, there That's you another go. one. Hey. There you go. That's Full the circle, one. <laughs> bringing it back. All right. Bring so we're here to back. talk about At- Violent Cop. <laughs> Good night, Gracie. Good night. That's you all patched up, Magoonie. Good as new. Thank you, sir. Might I take the liberty to point out that you have plenty of entertainment fuel for the podcast, but you have no foodstuffs readily available. What? I'll be fine. Don't worry too much. It's your turn to patch me up now. Although, strangely, my head doesn't hurt anymore. Sir, your head does not require patching up. Really? Good. One less thing off our ever-growing to-do list. I am afraid not, sir. Your head has been transmogrified into a VHS cassette tape. Wait, so my head's what? There is some good news, sir. It appears to be a 12-hour tape. For real? Oh, wow. For once, things are looking up. You want me to, uh, I'm going to hit stop on that or you want to do taps again?